If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Thea 2, Driftlands, Planetfall, and much, much more. Nate and Troy. Hey, Troy. How's it going? I'm doing all right, man, but I hear you're not feeling well. Yeah, I've been sick for the past couple of days. I somehow survived the winter and spring of horror in my house, and now, well, I guess we're still in spring, so maybe I didn't survive spring, but I went without being sick for the months of February, March, and April, and then just, man, I got something this week, so far, this past week, and it sucks. (laughs) I'm really sorry to hear that, man. Forgive my laughing. I'm sorry. It's 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 not funny, but there hasn't been a healthy family in your house in months. Yeah, yeah. And now, like, I was the only one who wasn't sick, so I was taking care of everybody. I was the plague doctor (laughs) taking care of the plague, various uh, mutations of the plague over a two-month period. And now it's like everybody's like, woohoo, it's party time. And I'm like, I don't want to party. Leave me alone. So I'm cranky, I'm moody, I'm not feeling good. Yeah, well, I got some I got some good news for you. Uh, what's that? Well, we got a really short show this week. Oh, um, okay. Things are starting to wind down for the summer. And, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Wait till you hear some of the stuff towards the tail end ooh, of the show. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, now you got me intrigued. Uh, I'm going to have to stay for the whole podcast this time. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Don't check out. Just stay tuned. There's a lot of good stuff coming. Me and the other guy we're going to talk about, and you can just listen. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, wait. I forgot. You're recording. Oh, well. You got to be the other guy. I do have to stick around them. All right. Well, why don't you kick it off for us with Thea 2? Okay. So at the time that our listeners hear this weekly exchange, Thea 2 is going to be Mm. about, I think, less than a week out from release, as in leaving early access and getting a full release. And the last time we talked about it, they had added the Kickstarter quests, and now they're continuing fine-tuning and, like, tweaks and uh, whatever bugs. So there was a little update, and I think there was, since um, I made these notes, there was one more quick little update. And, um, again, nothing major. You know, they they have the, well, I take it back. There's something major, but it's not, like, a massive list of notes. So what they did is they added... um, the divine quest so i am pretty sure that they have finished the main quest of the game they they added some voiceovers 
for I believe it is for the main events, like the main quest and stuff like that. So it's not going to be for every quest. They're continuing to add icons. They're changing again, like little tweaks, like where resources are going to be available. So there's a, they had, I believe they had added coal to the main island or the starting island, but they moved yep, it away. I can confirm I that. Was, yeah, I think that was kind of a little OP for, in an, like in a good way, OP where you got like a really big jump because of it, but it really messed with what they were trying, you know, the survival aspect of the game. It would be like playing a zombie game where you have unlimited ammo and unlimited gas. It's like, okay, well, if you had both of those, why wouldn't you not just, and food and not hole up in your little compound and never leave, right? You have right. the three major things. So that's kind of, I mean, again, this is Tia, so, you know, it's different, but it's kind of the same idea. So they did that. They're continuing to tweak jewelry. One of the major changes that I saw, and I've been seeing people complaining about it, is um, tweaks to one of the challenges. And um, as a result of this tweak, this chat, so this is a, the social challenge. And in the past, if you lose a social challenge, there's always a threat if the you know, if the value becomes too low or negative, there's a risk that the party member that has this negative attribute now, it's temporary, you can deal with it, you know, you can uh, remedy it, but it takes time. So there's a chance that this member just leaves the party. Well, apparently that got tuned up quite a bit. So it's like, yeah, so now it's it's gotten really risky. You have to be careful with your, uh, like your spiritual challenges. The, I believe they're the purple ones. Then you That's have right. to be careful with, you know, combat, which are the red ones. Then now you have to be careful with the social. It's yellow. So it's like, yeah, Thea is, from the get-go, has been a dangerous place. So it'll be interesting to see what further tweaking they're going to do to this. And maybe are they going to tie this, this like, difficulty to the game difficulty? So if you're playing, like, on the easiest possible or the lowest setting... Is it going to be dialed back versus playing on the you know max difficulty, which is I think like 250% of the standard difficulty, or maybe it's even not 300%. Now I don't know. I have not fired up Thea in a couple of weeks. Actually, I haven't fired up anything, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to tie that in that way. And uh, I'm for the most part, I I can honestly say that my experience with Thea and Thea two, the shattering and early access was really good. My biggest complaint was is that I had to stay offline to to play out a game because they were updating so much. But it's it's a weird complaint. On the one hand, I'm so happy that they were doing all the updates, but on the other hand, I couldn't play the newest version because as they update it invalidates an old save. But I mean, they they never hid that. They always were very open about it, always upfront, and I knew it. And I've you know, I think overall the game has really improved a lot, a lot since release. And like the biggest hindrance as a whole for me was getting adjusted getting familiar and comfortable with the new combat system now having said that and played it when i try to fire up the uh thea the shattering no it's um thea the awakening the first game on i have it on my switch so when i try to fire up on my switch and i'm playing on the old combat and i'm like oh this is so sluggish oh it's so unwieldy i just want to play the the other one it's so much better you know and it really is it's like they're very different combat systems so you know good on muha they did a great job with the two and i'm really looking forward for the wider release so more people pick it up and seeing what kind of feedback they get and i wish them a lot of luck and by the next time you hear the well when you hear the next show the game will be out so definitely go check it out yeah for sure and and i agree with you 100 i think they've done a great job on it 
Uh, next, we're going to move on to Driftland, the Magic Revival, and this is post-launch patch 1.0.10, and this update is introducing Steam Cloud support, so now you're going to be able to save your games up in the cloud and um, get them synchronized to whatever device you're going to play on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that matters to a, a good number of people, or if you have, like, issues with, like, computers that crash a lot, or, like, I lost a lot of saves when I had to reformat my hard drive on, on this computer. You remember that, Nate? I had, uh, all the, speaking of Thea, I had all the, yeah, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I had all the deities and Thea unlocked, and that was not easy. That took a but lot of time didn't to they do. Give you, didn't they give you, uh, basically they sent you a save that had all the deities Right, unlocked. they did, so. they did eventually, so, yeah, but I mean, like, that was, I had to reformat my hard drive, and that yeah, was, that's, that's man, rough. that was, Talk about that needing a, a cloud save, huh? Yeah, so, uh, Driftland is now gonna have cloud saves, which is great. Um, they also fixed a kind of uh, an important bug where the heroes weren't upgrading their base skills to higher tiers uh, while they were mounted, which is kind of crazy. But other than that, I mean, they really haven't had to rush out a lot of bug fixes or patches for this game because there were real issues with it. Driftlane has had uh, an incredibly smooth launch going from early access into the gold version. So they're doing really well with that. And since they don't have to squash a lot of bugs, they're putting a lot of work into the new campaign, which they're going to be adding to the game soon. And they're also reportedly working on a co-op mode, a new co-op mode. So for those who really like, um, you know, playing multiplayer, and I don't know how the, they must disable pausing when you're playing in... Uh, multiplayer there's no way you could be allowed yeah to, that's what they pause. usually do for these types of games yeah so anyway uh yeah they got a new co-op mode coming and that's that's pretty cool so man congrats to the the team over there at star mm -hmm. drifters mm -hmm. for having mm -hmm. such a good launch for a game that's such a nice refreshing change where the first few weeks aren't just massive amounts of bug fixes things like that i mean even companies like paradox have launches like that just for expansions uh where mm -hmm. they you know they come out and every week it's a big patch to try to fix all the problems that were in it right stuff that should have been caught prior to release but you know so many people are playing on so many different systems sometimes you just can't do that people forget. oh yeah absolutely especially for a small company like this so i'm absolutely. doubly proud yeah, yeah. of them yeah yeah and i mean they did really good in early access and they really um did their footwork that they needed to do when they had bug reports and things like that. So good on them. Okay, well, continuing in this um, vein of short news items, this past week, Civilization VI, they had an interesting stream. We'll have a link in the notes for that. And in this, they were discussing about the feature where, uh, well, the custom map feature, basically, how do you make your own custom maps? How do you... you Normally, when people play Civ, it's either one of three ways. Either you play a scenario, which is the third way. Uh, second way is you play online. Or the first way is you do just like a random world map and boom, there you go. But what if you wanted to do like create a certain thing, you know, like, oh, I want to make this, this map with this many resources. I want to see how my friends do or, you know, how I would do 
if I had this or if I didn't or, you know, so they were showing the map making. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty involved. There's a lot of thought went into that and the tools are very robust. So if you're, if you've ever really messed with map makers or you haven't, and you've been curious about it, links in the notes, click on the video, go check it out. It's pretty cool, but that's it. Nothing like no, uh, patches or you know no updates just kind of i found that really interesting i watched it normally i don't like stuff like that i don't really care for it but i was like oh this is cool if i ever have more than five minutes ever again in my life to sit down and mess with a map i'll definitely (laughs) try to do it here um my favorite part of all the civ games starting Mm. with civ 3 was the map maker Mm. i would spend hours 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 just creating like this perfect map for the type of game I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And like Civ 4, you remember just how insane the map sizes could get on Civ 4? I bit off more than I could chew mm. with that. I never finished uh, one of the maps I made for Civ 4. It was just so big. Like I didn't realize it at the time. You know, it was I got it right after Civ 3, you know, and I started messing with the map maker and I made a huge, the, the biggest map you could. And I, I didn't have any sense of scale. And then when I started playing, like it was years, I said, no, it got to the point where my computer couldn't even process all the units anymore. Because Civ 4 dropped all the unit restrictions, like what Civ 3 had. Yeah. So you had uh, giant stacks of doom everywhere. Oh yeah. Just like everywhere, land, sea, and air. Like you just had them everywhere, everywhere. So anyway, love the map makers. And I'm glad Civ 6 has one now too. Well, and, I mean, it's had one. It's just they they showcased it. Oh, They're yeah, to. they made it better. Yeah, and I think there's, a, at the time of recording, there's some kind of a sale going on on Civ, I think. Oh, yeah. That's so. not bad. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this week we got a preview video for the Syndicate faction in Age of Wonders Planetfall. Now, as far as anything new... Like, I watched the video. I didn't see anything that was, like, strikingly different from what we've reported on in the past. The Syndicate are the trade faction in Age of Wonders Planetfall. They use psionics to enhance their units. Their weapons are primarily arc-based, which is essentially electricity. So they will try to, you know, establish uh, two points of connection there with electricity, where electricity can jump from them to their target and damage it. So they're particularly proficient at knocking out mechanical units. So since a lot of uh, factions use big machines and things like that, they're going to be good against those. Um, the I did, I mean, I suspected this, but I wasn't for sure. One of the things that came out in the video was that when you have a, a Taskmaster unit and you want to seize control of an enemy's unit you know how they can do with the um indentured slave collars and then their mental uh enslavement powers you can steal control of an enemy's unit well that there are limitations on that so it those uh, those abilities those effects only work on infantry units so enemy infantry units and then they aren't automatically con- taken what what yours are right so like if you steal somebody's enemy bazooka brigade or whatever they got you okay. don't get a bazooka brigade what you get is a, a tier one indentured infantry okay of, of your faction so it kind of converts them from whatever faction they came from 
to whatever, well, to your tier one infantry faction. So it's not like you can enslave a tier four, like, uber monster and have that running around wrecking face. That's not how it works. You can only take others' infantry, and then it just becomes tier one of your infantry. And so I think that kind of balances it out. It They, they talked a little bit about Age of Wonders 3, Nate, and are there mind control spells in Age of Wonders 3 where you could take some of the larger, higher tier units? Yeah, there's definitely mind control, and uh, it's... This looks like a more evolved mechanic from what they had in Age of Wonders 3. Because in Age of Wonders 3, when you mind control the unit, you control the unit. I don't remember the unit downgrading or changing, you know? Yeah, that's kind of what they hinted at in this, is that they were getting like feedback from people in the forums that they were worried this might be an unbalanced mechanic to put it on such a low-tier unit. And they said, look, you don't have to worry about it because this is how it works. And so it's not like super powerful like it was in Age of Wonders 3. So I had to infer that from what they were saying. Uh, a couple other things they showed is the uh, unit create unit template and how you can kind of customize your own units uh, in order to give them whatever abilities or powers you want or equipment that you want and this sort of thing. And they went through how that worked. Uh, they showed off some combat multiple times um they weren't necessarily the most proficient at their own combat i didn't think but anyway they showed how that worked and like i said it's not anything that we haven't really reported on it was just kind of a visual representation of it uh, i'm trying to rack my brain is there anything else i learned in this i don't think so other than the, the graphics are really good i mean everything looks pretty good i think they'll They'll smooth it out. Like some of the movements of the units were a little bit jerky, but I think they'll probably just improve the animations before it launches. So that's yeah, they about got some it. Time. They got some time to get yeah, that they do. They dialed in. Do. I mean, to me, what was important is that they're showing a complete faction. You know what I mean? Yeah, with the tech tree and, exactly. and everything else. Yeah. Like a lot of times when you see stuff that's um, being shown as work in progress you always get the disclaimer of, hey, you know, it's work in progress. So you'll see this other unit stand in for now. But just, you know, just imagine this, what the, what it's supposed to look like and just play it as if it's there. Whereas here, and, I, and I've seen that from plenty of different developers. It wasn't just one or the other. It's usually how it is until like when they finally get the graphics in. Whereas in Planetfall, it's already in there. Here's like what it is. Now what we're doing is we're showing it off within their closed beta. They're testing stuff, you know. So, I mean, that's how they did for Age of Wonders 3. I can't imagine it would be different for Planetfall. So, you have a... Uh, I mean, I don't know how big the group is. I would imagine it's a decently large group with a variety of players and they're giving feedback. So, they're doing it right, you know. Even though Paradox bought Triumph Studios, the core of the the spirit of Triumph Studios is there. It hasn't been... And I'm not saying this is a knock-on paradox. You know, they did the same thing with Hairbrain, with Battletech, and I mean, it's still Battletech, you know? So that was always a fear that you have as a player that when the the game that you want is bought out by a different company with a different philosophy, then the future games will change and no longer be what you want them to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, totally. This is, this is usually what happens. I mean, this is what's happening with some of the really big AAA titles right now when some of these big publishers buy them. And then, no, by the way, we, we love your game. We love what you do. But now, from now on, you're going to be doing it all differently. And here's how you're going to do it. And then the game you have is not the game. And you're like, wait, what's happening here? Well, thankfully, that isn't the case. So, you know, 
what they showed us with the syndicate is like, look, here's where it's at. Here's what it looks like. Yeah, we got these little things we're doing here and there, but what do you think? And I think from what I've seen from the feedback, a lot of people are like, yeah, man, that's really cool. Good job, guys. We really like what you're doing. So, you know, kudos to them. Congrats. Keep it up. Really hyped for Planet Fallen. I might even get to play it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's it's rough. I'll talk about this a little bit later as to why I keep complaining that it's rough. But anyways, all right. So this week we had uh, another dev diary from Stellaris. And uh, remember how before even 2.2 hit, we were talking about uh, like, you know, they need to slow it down and they need to focus on what makes Stellaris a great game and that is like the world building that's the stories the, the all the narrative stuff they need to yeah get caught up on the mechanics just they've been introducing so many mechanics that it's it's overwhelming and that's pretty much what it's looking like so 2.3 um i think a week from the time you hear this it's going to be either on or right around the third anniversary of Stellar. So I'm expecting that that's when they're going to officially announce what 2.3 is going to be. But so far in the last couple of dev diaries, a lot of the stuff that we heard was like, you know, mega structures and reworking this, reworking that. Well, this week they're talking about two new precursor races. Now, precursors are the, as the name implies, they are the races that pretty much either ruled the galaxy long ago or uh, just were the first ones as a Babylon 5 reference, and uh, one of the races is called, uh, now I apologize if I'm pr- mispronouncing it, but it's the Baal or Baal. Well, how would you pronounce that? Baal? B-A-O-L. Baal? <laughs> no, no, that, that can't be, be right. <laughs> that would be, no, that's, that's with an O first. That would be B-O-L. Um, man, Baal? Let's go with Baal. Yeah, let's go with Baal. So these guys, this is a... Um, it's a hive mind and a hive mind that were plantoids. And if you look at the graphic they put up, they look a whole lot like. All right, I gotta pull this up now. This sounds crazy. Yeah, you gotta look at it. <laughs> a hive mind that is plant based. Look, look at the picture there. You see the picture? Okay. That looks quite a bit like the Ooh. Unfallen, or maybe yeah. even the Mikara from Endless Legends. So Endless Space Two and Endless Legend mm. getting props, I think here. But basically, um. This species, what it did is it created a mutualistic symbiotic relationship. Now, what that means is is that whatever species it, I, I don't know if it absorbed it or integrated or maybe it just subsisted with at the same time. It's a little hard to say. We don't have a lot of information here, but it would take on characteristics, either take on or, um, oh, man, I don't even know. No, I'm I'm afraid that I'm going to be just guessing too too much if I voice my thoughts on this. So I'll just say this: that they sub- co- uh, coexisted with lots of other creatures, and from what they're showing is that they would upgrade planets to like these lush garden planets and arboretums and things like that. So maybe uh, you know their quests that will have for them you'll be discovering these like you know eden style planets you know these like the best planets out there so that's one and the other one are called the zroni and these guys are super powerful psionic users and um, they are the ones that apparently discovered the shroud which is the realm where all the psionic power is drawn from and i don't know if they migrated there completely and transformed into something or if they uh, controlled it 
and then something came up and you know kicked them out and now it's an invading R. so that's actually one of the um i think it's one of the mid-game events is you have in uh, stellar so i don't know if this is like a link to all of it so maybe it's you know it, it should be interesting again like uh joshua says keep stellars weird and um that definitely does it. Now, another thing they talk about is the changes to precursors. So currently, well, in 2.2 or up until 2.2.7 or 6, wherever it's at now, um, depending on where you start, where your home system is in the galactic map, that's the precursor. So the precursor is almost like hard-coded to be in certain regions of space. Well, they're changing that. They're randomizing it. So that's kind of cool. So it's not like, oh, I want these guys because they're the best. You know, the league, they're the best. So... You can't, in the past or now, you can start in a particular region of space and get them. But if that changes, then you don't know who you're going to get. So it's going to randomize things. So that should be interesting. And then another thing they're doing is they're linking archaeology to um, to the quest system, to the precursors. They're linking archaeology to various bonuses. And there's a little bit of a controversy right now with one of their other new releases, uh, Imperator Rome. And there's a system they're called Mana. And basically, there there's a little bit of supposition that this new system is going to be similar to that one. So I I don't know. It would be interesting to see if any of our Stellaris players come back and get, share their thoughts with us. And uh, I'm curious to see what they say. But otherwise, it sounds really interesting. I'm I'm all for having the story packs and having more lore. I'm curious to see what else comes with it because if they can they, they need to rework the sector system they said they're going to they're going to continue reworking some of the, the other existing systems and fine-tuning them so you know good luck to those guys and gals because you know let's keep stellars weird as joshua says let's give i agree up. totally agree well this week we have a brief update for starport gemini 3 and this update goes into a lot of detail about how they're going to be adding characters to the game and this is something that's going to be pretty new for the starpoint franchise and they talked about how they had to go into the engine that they used to make their games and upgrade it in order to handle the the graphics and uh you know dispensing the data for what the characters are going to say so Starpoint Gemini 3 is going to be a much more story-driven game than the previous ones in the franchise. And they did all that. They got their engine upgraded. Then they went out and they got the art. And so they show off a lot of the 3D models of the characters, and they're pretty neat. They're all really different. Like, you got this military-looking guy, and then this, uh, like, android person in a business suit, and then a purple dude in his bathrobe, and all these different things. And... They talk about how they're going to be guiding you along in the story. And so they're, these characters are going to have a lot to tell you, and it's going to give you clues on what you're supposed to do in the game. And that's pretty neat. Um, it's, it's introducing a lot more aliens into the game than in the past. It's not as um, human centric as maybe it was in the past. I don't. I don't know how to describe that exactly. But there's going to be a lot more aliens. They're going to be a lot more fleshed out in this game. And so exploring the lore and the the cultures of the game is going to be a really huge part of gameplay in Starpoint Gemini Three. 
you're going to do a lot of that through interacting with these new characters. So they're really excited about adding this feature to the game. They think it's really going to make it stand out from uh, everything else that's been in the franchise so far. And, uh, I mean, like the reception has been small, but generally positive from the fans of Star, uh, the Starpoint Gemini series here. And so that that's really cool. Um, you know, uh, the, the addition of role-playing mechanics to almost every genre of game, I think has been a welcome addition overall. Even like fighting games, like Mortal Kombat, are introducing storylines and lore and things like that. So uh, to have it here in Starpoint Gemini 3 is just confirmation that that's what people really want. They just want different aspects of role-playing games and whatever it is they're playing. Yes, to all of that. Um, creating this central narrative, I think, helps these types of strategy games because it gives them a focus. Now, as you're playing it, you can do various things, anything actually that you want. There's a lot of freedom there, but also having like a central story. And if it's created because of all these diverse characters and because of, you know, you get these little hints and clues, it makes it feel more like a traditional RPG. And that's awesome because we don't have too many of those in space. Usually those are fantasy-based, you know, or maybe sci-fi, but like, you know, you have something like Mass Effect. Is, what else do we have in space like that that's recent? I think that's the, um, only, the only one. Oh, geez. Yeah. Mass Metal Effect? Gear Solid? Is that... Yeah, but that's not in space. That's set on Earth. Oh, well, that's true. It's science fiction, but not... Right. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, we have plenty space, of RPGs, but they're space. all terrestrial. Yeah, so this is... Yeah, Mass Effect is the only one I can think about. Mm, I don't know. Maybe some of the old Knights of the Old Republic games? Yeah, but I'm talking recent. I mean, like... like I mean, that's not really in space either. I mean, kind of, but... Well, anyways, I'm sure yeah, one of our I, listeners I don't will know. jump in and correct us and be like, you guys forgot this one. I can't believe you forgot that one. Yes, I know. I'm, I apologize in advance. We probably forgot. So be it. All right. Well, that's kind of that for space. Getting back to that fantasy feel, we had another uh, dev diary from the guys working on Fantasy General 2, and they were showing some more of the mechanics. And I swear, every time, I mean, I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, like, here's that that Pandora engine, you know? Yeah. We've seen what they did with it with Gladius, and now we're seeing a fantasy game, and it just it looks really, really good. I'm, I'm, and, like, you have the, you have the, store i mean i don't know this i'm just making an assumption here so i don't know that this is the case but this is what it looks like to me or it kind of gives me also the vibe of the warlock games and i mean i like what i see i really like what i see so i'm really keeping an eye on this one and anyways why am i talking about it so the second uh dev diary and if you'd like to see the video if you haven't already seen it it's not too long i think it's like six and a half seven minutes they're keeping it short which is appreciated so uh, click on the notes. You'll see it in there. And uh, that's it. Okay. Well, like I said, this was going to be a pretty short week. So let's talk about this week's title for the What Is segment. And this week we're talking about a game called Burned Land. Now, remember how earlier you were saying that the 4X genre is winding down? Well, Burned Land is a 4X game. Oh, now, cool. graphically, it looks more like... Uh, the Dominions games, so it's not, you know, it's not a AAA. This is definitely a small studio indie release, but mechanically, it's got some interesting things going to it, and it's it's got it's kind of like this. It's um, it has 
it feels a little bit like Thea, like the world is not a friendly place and you're tr really surviving. But at some point, you're no longer surviving, you're thriving and you're starting to excel. And usually in a 4X, by the end game, there is, you know, a couple of things. Oh, you escape the planet if it's that or, you know, you're the best scientists or the biggest economy or something like that, you know, but usually there's not like anything going on at the end there it's almost like a formality here it's different here it feels almost like um the civilization not civilization games but um the colonization spin-offs where you're building up building up building up and at the end you piss off the british empire or whichever you know whoever it is that whosever colony you are and they send their massive fleet to take you on so here it's a little different here you are basically growing in strength until you're strong enough to rival some gods and then you have to deal with the consequence of that so this is a fantasy game you have quite a bit of um, flexibility here you, you know people management you are um, you're exploring you're conquering you're dealing with all kinds of things like fanaticism and revolts and plagues and things like that so it's definitely it's got a lot of elements from non-fantasy games but in this fantasy setting with that interesting end game yeah, it's it's kind of unique I, I i like it i'm curious i mean it's an early access right now if anybody listening has been playing this please let us know what you think very curious yeah now you've got my interest peaked as well right right it's like and it's not a triple a game so you don't have those expectations you know Right. And I don't mean and I don't mean that in a good or a bad way. It's just, you know, with AAA, you know, it's gotta have this, gotta have that. And because it's a small studio, of course we're gonna, we're a lot more forgiving to small studios, a lot more, you know, less critical of like the graphics maybe or any particulars and with those types of games we really look at the gameplay. And uh Burnland definitely has something interesting that it's offering. Very cool. Um so you wanna talk about games you've been playing this week? Yes, I have a very long list of games I have not been playing this week. Yeah. Massive list. The list of games I'm playing, hold on, let me look at it real quick. Zero. Haven't played anything this week. Yeah, it's the May Crunch. Most likely, I'm probably not going to get to play anything for the whole month. Oof, man, that's rough. I'm sorry. What about you? Oh, it's okay. It is well, weird. for me, uh, yeah, I got to play some Blitz. They're doing a um, pretty cool event. It's a really easy event, and uh, so I've... I beat that this weekend, and then also I've been playing Thea 2, and man, ooh, ooh. it's good. Nice. Oh, man, I love it. I, I already like it better than the first one. Not that the first one was bad. It was a, it was great, but like Thea 2, dude, it's good. Like, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Like you said, they put coal on the starting island, which is kind of nice. Um, it's hard to find wood in this game or at least it has yeah, been for me yeah yeah like you can't the way i was playing it i never settled anywhere near where you know you first start your game right right i always like try to explore i mean this is thea so in thea or thea 2 you don't have to even create a village you can play as nomads you can do it effectively as nomad it's harder but it's more fun it's a lot more like nail bitey, you know, like there's, ooh, you know, when the night rolls around, when you have all kinds of weather and stuff like that, you definitely feel in it more so than you would in a village. But at the same time, you're not locked down to anything, you know, you don't have to send out scouting parties everywhere to collect resources because you are the scouting party, you know? 
Yeah, and that is nice because um, like once you outgrow certain resources, you can just pick up and move. You know, because you're not always just gonna need like what do you normally start off with? Granite, amber, um, like uh, monster. I try to bone. go for malachite. Yeah, that's I usually pref- around there too. I prefer malachite for my, you know, my second resource for weapons and stuff like that, and for okay. equipment. Okay. I'll have to keep that in mind. Um, so yeah, I I played it and um, man, I'm loving it already i am loving it already it's getting used to the new combat system what's that you're getting used to the new combat um yeah that has a bit of a learning curve to it it does um but when it clicks you're like listen i i I haven't played the original thea in probably eight months well actually i can look it up real quick when was the last time i played it um Uh, eight months sounds good oh my goodness well more like 11 months. It's been 11 months since I played it. And, oh, that's since I reinstalled it. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, um, I bet if I went back to the original Thea now and started playing the combat, I'd probably be like, yeah, this is just too boring. It's not It's not challenging enough, mentally challenging enough. But, anyway, um, man, I'm loving every minute that I've put into Thea 2 so far. And it's I, I can't wait to get back on. It's a lot of fun. That's a fantastic compliment. I agree. I I had a lot of fun with it, and I too shall one day have fun with it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as anything else, I really, I really haven't played anything else. I want to get back. I, I'm looking forward to the patch for Fallen Enchantress. Yeah, me too. We'll talk about it on the next show. It's awesome. uh, by the t- uh, at the time of recording, we don't have a lot of information yet, so I pushed it off to the next show to record this. All right. Well, but that's it for me. Um, Is there anything else you want to say before we close this one up? Nope. The usual huge thank you to our patrons. We couldn't do this without you. Um, You you guys, gals, make this all possible. So thank you so much to our listeners. Sorry about, like, we got the show down. You know, hopefully, like, all the sound is good. But then I've been having issues with our host, Hipcast. And like importing and exporting and making sure that people are able to access it. So sorry about that. I'm still working with them, trying to square away what's happening between them and iTunes. They're saying it's not them. Apple, good luck trying to get anything out of Apple. So. <laughs> yeah. Every couple of years we have this problem with yeah. Hipcast. Yeah. Well, you know, it is what it is. All our stuff is there. I, I'm i not really planning to move from there. Right, so, right. Yeah. Well, having you know, one I mean, problem every two years is not so bad. Yeah. And then the thing is, the show is on the website. So we upload it. I upload it to the website and a second copy on Hipcast that's exported to iTunes. So, I mean, it's not even exported. iTunes doesn't, iTunes just links to it. So you're still downloading from Hipcast, but for some reason it's not updating correctly with iTunes. So like, I don't think Weekly Exchange 234 is up on iTunes still. Let me look it up real quick. Let me see. Is it up on iTunes? It is not, which is really annoying, but it should be up on Hipcast. And let me look real quick. Is it up on Hipcast? It should be. Yeah, it is up on Hipcast. It's been up on Hipcast for four days. That's you know, that's pretty ridiculous. It should have been up for longer than that. But anyways, it is what it is. Yeah. <sighs> so, yes, we'd definitely like to thank everyone for joining us this week on the Weekly Exchange. This has been Troy and Nate for Exploraminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.
Thank you.